0: morning the presence of God is so wonderful you know in our life we can wonder why don't I feel God's presence in my life it's a really easy answer Psalm 22 it says yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel which we've been grafted into he's enthroned upon the praises of his people And when we praise him, his presence comes. When we praise him, he cannot resist but to come rushing to us and to just flood us with his love and his presence. The songs we've been singing have been all about praise this morning. And I woke up this morning uh, with an old, well, at least to me it's an old hymn. Um, It's something I haven't listened to in a long, long, long time. So I knew it was the Lord this morning that I woke up with this song. But it's uh, from the song called Victory in Jesus. I'm going to read it. I'm not going to sing it. (laughs) It says, I heard an old, old story. How a Savior came from glory. How he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. I heard about his groaning of his precious blood's atoning, then I repented of my sins and won the victory. O oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him and all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. I heard about his healing, of his cleansing power revealing. How he made the lame to walk again and caused the blind to see. And then I cried, Dear Jesus, come and heal my broken spirit. And somehow Jesus came and brought to me the victory. Victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. Sweet, sweet Jesus, it says. Ah. He has victory for us, and it's in him. Amen? Let's just sing the chorus of the song, this song again. You don't have to sing it loud. Let's just sing it, and then um, what we're going to do is, well, we'll just sing it, and then we'll continue. Let's take another moment. just praise Jesus here. that, we're going to take a moment, and we're going to come to the communion tables. And while you come up, I want you to just let praise and thanksgiving be upon your lips. Um, at these two tables, we've got um, gluten-free plates in the in the center, so if you're gluten-free, you can grab a, uh, one of those cups. It is a two-cup system, so just grab a set of cups, and there will be a bread in the bottom and a juice on top. Uh, you can come down these center aisles here, and then wrap around back to your your seats through the center aisle and the outside aisles. But um, let's just continue to sing that and let's just come with praise because he has bought us with his blood and he has given us the victory in Jesus. Amen. we get ready to partake together in that song and Victory in Jesus. It said, oh, oh, his precious blood's atoning. Then I repented of my sins and won the victory. Paul encourages, encourages us before we, we partake in this, uh, in this meal to take a moment and examine your own heart. See if there's any wicked way in it and take a moment to repent before the Lord, before you partake of this meal. So let's all just take a moment, humble our hearts before the Lord, ask him to forgive you, to repent of anything that you need to, and then we'll partake together in just a moment. Father, we humble our hearts before you and we thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you that you have bought us with your blood, that we belong to you because we believe in you, Jesus. We thank you that you were willing to come and take the form of flesh of man and become like us and go through this whole life and suffer as we did without sin and be willing to lay down your life to pay for our sins that deserve death. You took our death for us. So we thank you, Jesus, for it. And we believe in you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Go ahead and grab the bread. Says, Paul says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said... This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us take the bread together. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let us drink together. Hallelujah. We're going to continue to worship the Lord. Feel free to come up to the front if you'd like. Kneel and bow and worship. Uh, But let's just continue to worship him and love on him this morning. There's a scene in heaven in Revelation chapter 4 and you see all of these saints and you see all these angels around the throne worshiping and there's these 24 elders that are worshiping around the throne and it says they're saying that day and night they never cease to say holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And when we come here and we gather together and we worship the Lord and sing worthy, worthy are you, O Lord, and sing holy to him, we are joining with the chorus of heaven to worship God. Heaven and earth connect when we come and we worship and we sing, and the Lord dwells upon the praises of his people, and he has victory for you in him. It is good to dwell in the house of the Lord and to worship him together. And I'm so thankful that our kids are in here right now because I grew up in the same type of setting in a church where the kids were always in worship and it's where I was able to learn what it meant to be in the presence of the Lord and to hear his voice. And it's a very special thing even if they're running around or anything like that but I know when the presence of God would come peace would just settle everywhere. It's a very special thing. It's a very good thing for us to dwell in the house of the Lord together like this. Jesus, we are so thankful that you have come to meet with us. We thank you for always coming and never leaving. And we welcome you here. Let us just give him glory again. Worthy are you, Jesus. Glory to you, Lord. Holy are you, Lord. We lift our voices to you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. You are good. You are good. You are beautiful. You are strong. You are mighty. You are our source of peace. You are our life and joy. We praise you, Jesus. You are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy, God. You are worthy. ready, just take a deep breath and let the presence of God just fill you. Just take a moment to rest. In this crazy world, we get to rest right here, right now. We thank you, Father, for your rest. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to... Uh, Continue on here with the presence of God. Amen. And uh, we're going to take a few minutes now and greet each other. We're going to take about eight minutes. I don't know why we do eight minutes, but that's the number we do. Um, During this time, you're welcome to get up and greet, use the bathrooms. Uh, I do want to welcome everybody here. Um, As you can see, Pastor Jason and Pastor Liz are not here today. They went uh, to a marriage conference, as they mentioned last week, this past week, and they got back kind of late in the week, and hi And um, they're just're taking a rest today with their family because uh, they were away for so long. and so, um, but they miss you all, and they say hello. And um, so if this is your first time here, we're so glad that you're here. Thank you for coming. Um, Yes, you can use the bathrooms out there. This is a time for people to be able to give. If you would like to uh, give of your tithes and offerings to the Lord, there's two buckets up front. There's an offering box in the back at the door. You're welcome to place them in there, but this is a chance for you to come and do that. Um, We do have our kids, uh, our nursery available right now, and our ECF Littles, which is age 3 through 6, available right now, which will be out the door and down to the right. To the classroom, so you can take your kids there. If your kids are older than that, we have our kids' corner with kids' bags that you can grab for them to uh, just give them something to do uh, during the service and uh, help them to entertain themselves, so to speak, while listening to the to the message. And I don't know if there's any other things. Nope. So yeah, get up, say hello, and we'll be back in a little bit. Alright. I don't know. Hey, real quick, technical. Steve, was, was that my microphone that was doing that crazy thing earlier? Okay. So, if my microphone starts going nuts, uh, we'll have to pause and just pick up a different one. So, alright. So, before we get into the message today, we're going to take a moment to um, talk about giving and just encourage you guys, uh, encourage all of us in our giving and in the faithfulness of God, um, for offering here, I want to read two verses. Uh, the first one is Romans 14:23. It says, "But he who doubts is condemned if he eats, because he does not eat from faith. For whatever is not from faith is sin." So that's the part I want to focus on, not that first part. Whatever is not from faith is sin." And then in Hebrews 11:6 it says, "But without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him." How many know God is a rewarder? He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, and believe. They believe in him, and so I just want to encourage you, as and myself, as we give of our finances. As we give of our time, as we give of our energy, as we give of our love, whatever we are giving, do it out of faith. It's very easy to go on to autopilot in, our, in, in giving. You know, there was a, when I would come in with my tithes or my offerings, you know, I write my check and I just stick it in the box and I don't even think about it because it's become such a natural thing for me. But that's not Great. Because you need to have faith. You need to activate your faith and believe God. And his, our faith, it, it, it pleases him. It pleases God when we believe him. And so when I come and I give, I say, Father, I thank you that you're a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. I'm seeking you with every area of my life, with my finances. And I give that and bring it to him in faith, believing that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So I want to encourage you to do everything with faith. When you give, when you give here, when you give anywhere, do it in faith, knowing that God sees you, that you, that you trust him and believe him, and that he's going to reward you. Amen? Amen. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, that our faith pleases you. Lord God, that is uh, it's such a simple message, that we can believe you, and it pleases you. And you're a rewarder of those who believe you. And so, Lord, with our offering, with our money, we come and we give it to you in faith, believing that you will take care of us, that you will reward us, Lord, as we seek you in every area of our life. And Lord, I ask you to bless every uh, dollar given, Father God, that you would show us how to use it for your glory, to lead more people to you, Father God. And I ask a blessing upon this entire church, Lord God, that we would live... Father God, worry-free. Lord, trusting you every single day. And, uh, we, we, and we do trust you, Lord. We, we love you so much. We give you all the praise and glory. Lord, I ask you also to bless this uh, time in your word, Father. Lord, I ask you to speak through me, Lord God, and that all of us would have open ears, and eyes, and hearts to hear what you want to do, that our hearts would be encouraged today with this message, that our hearts would be convicted by this message, and that none of us would leave the same Father God, but changed by you and drawing closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Well, um, if you have a Bible, you can turn it to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to continue with the Sermon on the Mount uh, series that we've been doing. And Pastor Jason spoke last week about um, the passage about storing up treasures in heaven versus storing up treasures on this earth and how we can't serve two masters. We can't serve God and we can't serve mammon. And mammon would be money, possessions, uh, just that spirit of I need more and of greed and of, of consumption. And so um, today we're going to continue with the passage following that in verses 25 through 34. And it is the topic where Jesus talks about Therefore, do not worry. Everybody say worry. How many of you guys have worried? (laughs) Every hand should be up, both hands. You know, we all deal with this thing called worry. It's a big topic. Um, I'm going to try to get into it here. But worry affects everyone, whether it's simple, you know, over food and clothes, or whether it's being clinically diagnosed with some type of anxiety disorder. Um, I did do some stat checking. Stat checking. And uh, I'll just read some of them. It's kind of crazy. Nationally, over 40 million adults, 19.1% of the population, have an anxiety disorder in the U.S. Let's see here. Nearly one-third of adults, 32.3% reported anxiety and depression symptoms in 2023. Worldwide, Anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness in the world. Roughly 301 million people, an estimated 4% of the global population, have an anxiety disorder. Uh, One survey found young people are more likely to experience symptoms of anxiety than older adults. In adolescents between 13 and 18 years old, 31.9% are affected by anxiety disorders. And one more here. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, blah, 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 blah. About one-third of adults overall, 32.3% reported, reported anxiety and depression symptoms in 2023. So, worry, stress, anxiety is a major, major problem. Would you agree? In the world, for all of us. Everyone worries. Whether you, you don't have to have an anxiety disorder to worry. So, I used to think, you know, I wasn't a worrier, but over the last few years, I realized, boy, I worry a lot more than I would want to tell people. And um, it started a long time ago. I remember I worked at a job at Hanes, not the underwear place, but <laughs> there's a place called Hanes something or other in Fairview on 98, and um, they, like, print on all types of bottles, like deodorant bottles. They do all the printing on them, uh, shampoo bottles, any type of bottle. And my job was awful. I had to stand at this, like... It was, like, a big box of all the bottles with caps on them, and then there was a person here, a person here, and a person over there, and myself. And my job, I had two boxes, and I had to separate the caps from the bottles for, like, eight hours. Like, this is what I did for eight hours. It was, like... Just awful. And I didn't stay at that job very long. It was a temp job, and yeah, it was too much. But um, I was doing the job, and every time you'd fill up your box, and then you'd have to lift the bag out. And for whatever reason, I'm like, I started worrying. I'm like, man, these are big bags with lots of bottles in them. I hope this bag doesn't have a hole in the bottom. And sure enough, I picked that bag up, and I walked, and the bottom broke. And just everywhere. But it was like, oh, my worrying, what if I had not worried? I don't know. Like in that moment, did my worry and my fear, it came to pass. And so not a good experience. But so we all worry with little things. I mean, that's, that's minor. But a couple, like just in 2022, I actually began experiencing worry, like anxiety symptoms. Where I'll tell you basically what happened was I had broke my ankle. I've told this story. I had COVID. I broke my ankle. In the process, the Lord told me, I'm going to teach you how to walk again in every area of your life. And so I, I said, okay, you know, let's do it. So we get to, that was in like uh, September of 2021. And I get to the end of that year. And the Lord said, I want you to quit your job and I want you to live on your savings. And I just want you to volunteer your time as a pastor. And so I did that, and I was very excited. I'm like, ooh, this is an adventure. But pretty soon, that adventure turned into, oh my gosh, what am I doing? Because I did not realize how much I relied and put my trust in my income. And some of you know what this is like, but when you watch your savings account, just go keep going down and down and down pretty soon you start worrying, and when the Lord tells you to do something like, I just want you to volunteer, don't go get another job. Perfectly able to go get another job, and he said no. I started to have real anxiety, uh, anxiety, and I started to not be able to breathe well. I couldn't catch my breath, and I started to have uh, just, just kind of like panic, and so I would be in my room And, like, I could just feel this anxiety of, God, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? And are you going to come through for me? You know, what am I supposed to do right now? And I would just have to lay. I couldn't breathe. And I just had to lay on the floor with my face to the ground and prostrate myself before the Lord. And I would just say, Jesus, you are my breath. And I'd ask him to forgive me for, for worrying. And I would just say, Jesus, you are my breath. You are my breath. And pretty soon God's peace would come and I would be able to take a deep breath again. But it was a very like just crazy moment where I had to really come to terms with my faith with Jesus was not what I thought it was. I wasn't trusting him how I thought I was. And so, um, yeah, that, that is something we all have to come to terms with. Where is our heart? Where do we really trust God and where don't we trust God? And so worry, though, is a major, major problem. It's, it's a, a real thing. And some of you have probably experienced something like that or deal with some type of anxiety disorder or just some type of symptoms. Um, and it's very common. We live in a broken world that Satan has basically set up to teach people how to worry. It's a fear-based uh, culture. I mean on the news and all you're going to see is fear, death, and destruction. And he's created a system where you get layer after layer after layer of fear, of worry, come like just be afraid. No, there's no hope. Everything is falling apart. And when you live in that type of culture, it's very easy to just become worried. And if no one is teaching you how not to worry and that there is hope, the natural tendency is to just begin to fear. And we also are dealing with actual demonic spirits. I'm going to say this gently because I'm sure all of us know somebody who has some type of anxiety disorders or some type of mental illnesses. But much of that stuff is motivated by demonic activity, whether it's oppression or possession in some way. Um, when you go through the Bible, you know Jesus, how many remember the story where he cast out the legion of demons? I mean, a legion, of, a legion, I, you know, I serried it. You know, it, was, it says it's 4,000 to 6,000 soldiers. So this guy who Jesus talks to says, you know, the demons say, why are you coming to torment us? And he says, what is your name? And they say, legion. So this guy had like thousands of demons in him. And he was running. He was living in the tombs. Nobody could stop him. He was super strong. They couldn't bind him. He'd break the, bind, the bindings and he would go and he would cut himself. And growing up in high school, you know, that's when I really started to see, like, students would start to cut themselves. I'm like, what is this cutting issue? And you see this in scripture, where Jesus has to cast these demons out of this guy. Um, There was another guy, another man comes with a son, and the son is throwing himself into the fire and he's dumb, like he can't talk, and he's, he's mute, I should say, and he's, and he's deaf, and, and he's throwing himself into the fire and doing these crazy acts of wanting to hurt himself, and Jesus casts the devil out of him, and all of a sudden he's made whole. And so we are not only are dealing with just the everyday layers of fear that come against us, but we're dealing with actual demonic spirits that are working to get into our lives and to bring us into a place Of fear and worry. And so today, uh, in in, in those situations, the world really offers no hope. What What does the world offer? Medicate it, right? Just go to the doctor, get on a medication, and that will fix it. And the truth is, it doesn't fix it. It might help a little tiny bit, but it does not ever cure the problem of fear and worry in our lives. But today, there is hope. And we're going to talk about that hope, and it is found in Matthew 6. and Jesus brings us this hope. So I'm going to read this passage, and then we'll break it down as we go through it. But I want to read the whole thing. Matthew 6:25 through 34 It says, "Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food? But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. That is a powerful passage of scripture that a lot of us have probably heard. So let's break it down. First, let's define worry. What is worry? Worry means, so the Greek word used there, I'm not going to say it because it's hard, but it means to be anxious, to be troubled with cares. How many have been troubled with cares? It means to take thought of. The King James version of this, it's when it says, therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. Jesus actually says, take no thought about your life. I don't know about you, but I think about my life a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. We all do, right? We're always thinking about our life. Okay, So then I looked up worry in the Webster's Dictionary. And I want to read this to you, and it is awful. Listen to this. Worry as a noun. Mental distress or agitation resulting from concern, usually for something impending or anticipated. Anxiety. Worry as a verb. To afflict with mental distress or agitation. Make anxious. To harass by tearing, biting, or snapping, especially at the throat. To shake or pull at with the teeth. To touch or disturb something repeatedly. To change the position of or adjust by repeated pushing or hauling. To assail with rough or aggressive attack or treatment. Torment. To subject to persistent or nagging attention or effort. Choke. Strangle. To feel or experience concern or anxiety. To fret. To move, proceed, and progress by unceasing or difficult effort to struggle. That is the definition of worry. When we worry, we are subjecting ourselves to that. And that's why Jesus says, do not worry. Because worry is the destroyer. Andy's definition of worry. The destroyer of your life. Worry destroys people's lives. 100%. and when and Jesus doesn't want you to worry and that's what we're going to talk about when Jesus commands us not to worry he's telling us a few different things okay so he says therefore i say to you do not worry about your life what is he actually saying about worry one that you were not created to worry that is not god's plan for your life he did not create you so that way you could live your life in worry and anxiety and terror to be constantly annoyed and struggling and feeling like you're being choked by the world, that is not what God has for you. He has peace for you. He has life for you. Boy, what would it be like to live a life with no worry at all? We can do it. So that's the first thing. Jesus commands us not to worry. He's telling us first that you and I do not, we're not created to worry. We were created to know him. We were created to dwell in the presence that we experienced this morning as we worshiped him in that peace that passes understanding. So the second thing he's telling us is that worry is a choice. Worry is a choice. Everybody say choice. If Jesus says do not worry, that means that we get to choose because we have free will, right? Right? If Jesus tells us not to worry, that means we have the option not to. Anxiousness is something we feel, but worry is something that we do. We do not have to worry. We get to choose. Worry is one of two responses to to our enemy called fear. You can respond with worry and destroy your life, or you can respond with faith and live free of fear. Faith is the opposite of worry where we believe God instead of worrying. Yeah, but Andy, what about the clinical diagnosis and the medication I'm on? You're telling me I can make a choice to not be stuck in this diagnosis? Yes. Yes, I am. Every diagnosis, everybody that gets diagnosed with, the, with some type of an, with, with anxiety had come to a place where something happened in their life that caused them fear and worry, maybe a traumatic event, an abuse. It could be anything. The fear instantly begins to cause terror within a person's heart and mind, which forces a person to make a choice of what am I going to do now. And the natural tendency is to worry. And that worry continues and continues and continues and continues and continues until you have a disorder. And that's not placing blame on anyone, because as I said, we all live in this world that is designed right now to cause us to fear and worry. And if we're not taught about not worrying and how to choose faith, then, yeah, the natural tendency will be to go towards worry. But you can live worry-free. You can be set free from disorders. You can live without medication. But it starts with Jesus. Okay. So worry is a choice. The third thing, worry is a sin. And this was an ouch for me, big time. Worry is a sin, but we don't have to sin. Jesus commanded us not to worry. That means that if we then go and worry, we are sinning. (laughs) Sorry to bust your bubbles. Some days I think I went through the whole day and I didn't, you know, I didn't do whatever, and I I did great today. And then all of a sudden I start worrying about something. I'm like, no, no worry allowed. Okay, worrying is a sin. But we don't have to sin. Romans 6.14 For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under the law but under grace. Sin shall not have dominion over you. Through the blood of Jesus we have been set free from sin. Hallelujah. We are set free from sin. We can choose not to sin because we have free will. Right, Rory? We have free will. We get to choose not to sin. Fourth thing, worry is not your identity. Many people live with worry and anxiety like it's their identity. And Brother Paul's not here. He and Luana are, I think, down south right now. But he would agree 100% with this. People live like it's their identity, and they make it their identity by saying things like, my anxiety. They say, I just can't help but to worry. I'm a worrier. And here's the thing. Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So if you want to say, my anxiety and I'm a worrier, you say it long enough, you're going to believe it, and you will eat its fruit, and you will be anxious, and you will be uh, a worrier. And you will live your life in torment, and in fret, and choke, being choked and strangled by fear and worry. So if we say something, oh yeah, I just said that, if we say something long enough, we will be, we will become it. So understanding the truth Jesus brings about worry and beginning to make a simple choice to put our trust in Jesus rather than worry will begin the journey to freedom that you've been longing for, that I've been longing for. So then Jesus goes on to tell us, um, why we don't have to worry. And we're going to read this passage again from verses 26 through 32 for a little refresher. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your Heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. So the first reason why we don't have to worry is because the Heavenly Father cares about you. Everybody say, the Heavenly Father cares about me. He cares about you. He cares a lot. A lot, a lot. I'm saying a lot, a lot today. Okay. He cares about you. So what does Jesus do? He points us to nature. How many of you love taking hikes, getting into the, getting into the ocean or the water in some way? Yeah. We all love nature. We were designed for it. We were, it was created for us. And when God made Adam and Eve, he put them in a garden. Okay, he didn't put them in a house. I mean, they lived out in the open, naked, eating fruit from trees and vegetables. Okay, they lived in a garden. So Jesus says to think about the birds. If God cares about the birds, why wouldn't he care much more about you? The birds don't do any work at all. You ever think about that? So when I was getting with all this anxiety stuff, I couldn't breathe. Like, I just... I was. I did a message a while back called, uh, we, well, Pastor Jason and I and Pastor Liz, uh, about, the, um, about abstinence, like the uh, principles of abstinence, not for sex and things like that, but how to live your life and kind of pull away and create margin and space. And we talked about the three-mile-an-hour God and how Jesus, you know, he walked everywhere. He walked probably two and a half, two-mile-an-hour, three-mile-an-hour every day wherever he was going. He lived his life much slower than we do. And so I felt I needed to go take walks. I'm like, okay, I'm going to start taking walks. So I took lots of walks at the peninsula. And I love it. I still love it. I love taking cold walks too, but um, like in the winter here. But I would take walks at the peninsula, and I'd start looking at the birds. The birds don't do anything other than fly around and poop on things. <laughs> I mean, that's it. They don't work. They don't clock in and clock out. They wake up and they fly around. They go look for food. And Jesus makes the point, your heavenly father feeds them. And they don't have to do, they don't do anything. How much more does he care about you? You know, and we get into this place where we're like, I'm doing all this work. God, you got to provide for me. And then we start worrying. Why aren't you providing for me? I'm doing all this work for you. And he's like, have you looked at the birds? They don't do anything and I provide for them. Why are you worrying about me providing for you? And so I started to take on a motto that I'm going to live like the birds. And I think it's one we all need to take. I'm going to live like the birds. It's a very comforting thing to think about. When I go and I sit on one of the benches and I just watch the ducks or the geese, and they're just swimming around. Oh, they think, oh, I think I'll fly to a tree now. You know, one of those seagulls. One seagull I watched, I was at the, at the lakeside, and he just started flying, uh, like, towards Canada, I was like, that must be nice. I think I'll just, think I'll just take a f- flight over to Canada today. Okay? Live like the birds. Stop, stop worrying. God cares about them, He cares for you. The flowers are the grass, Jesus points us to. God cares about the lilies and the grass, which a lot of the grass and the flowers you never even see. All over the world. There's flowers everywhere. You're never going to see. God clothes the grass with beautiful flowers and he makes those flowers beautiful how much more is he going to take care of you? You're way more important than grass. Amen? I'm more important than grass. Say it. I'm more important than grass. It's a weird thing to say. But Jesus said, God cares for you. He cares for the grass. He cares way more for you. But some of us live our lives of worry as though we are less than grass. And that's not okay. And then Jesus gets to this part that I just kind of Pictured here, living less than grass. He says, oh, you of little faith. When you live in worry and are operating in your life with worry, you are living with little faith. How little, would you say? Well, it's going to be less than a mustard seed because God said you can move mountains with a mustard seed of faith. So if we're living with worry, that means the mountain is living on top of us. That means our faith is less than a mustard seed. Like a grain of salt? Maybe a molecule? Lord, let it not be so that my faith would be as small as a molecule, that I would not have enough faith to believe that God can take care of the grass and the birds, but He can't take care of me. No, we are gonna be people of strong faith, more than a mustard seed. Amen? Strong faith. And then Jesus he reiterates this command to not worry, and then he tells us why. Your heavenly Father knows you have need of all these things. God knows you need everything that you need. He knows all of it. He knew in Psalm 139, he says he knows the thoughts before we think them. He knows our our words before we say them. There's nowhere we can hide from him. That means he knows everything about you, and that means he all of the days he fashioned for you, and he knows everything you're going to need for each and every single day. That's good news. So we don't have to worry because our Father in heaven knows. And that's how the Apostle Paul was able to get to saying some of these things. These, these, past, these scriptures always really just stand out to me. Philippians 4, 10 through 13. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. For I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. How was Paul able to say that? He lived a worry free life because he trusted and believed God. Philippians 1, 21 through 26. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means a fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. So this passage, Paul is saying, you know, to live is Christ and to die is gain. I don't know which one I want to do. Do I want to live or do I want to die? Do I want to live or be martyred for Jesus? He says, I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ. For that is far better, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced, convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy and faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. So Paul was trying to decide, what do I really want? It's better for me to stay with you. How many of you, if you had the opportunity to, there's a portal right here, a door it's glowing and beautiful and you can walk through it and go to heaven right now who would take it i probably would paul was like eh, i think it's better for me to stay here with you and live in this crazy world how could he say such a thing because he wasn't afraid because he had no worry because he trusted the lord and that jesus was going to take care of him on this earth that's powerful so how to live worry-free? Matthew six thirty three and 34. The end of that passage. It says this. Jesus says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So Jesus says the way to living without worry is to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All the things we have need of will be added to us. If we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. If we want to live worry-free, it only comes through doing this. Seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Our commitment to seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness is directly linked to living worry-free and in every area of your life. That means that if you aren't, if I'm not living worry-free in some way right now, it could be because we are not seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Or fear and doubt have got in and hindered our seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Something is not clicking, right? Many of us think we are we, uh, the Many of us think we seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, but in truth, we aren't. And I had to come to terms with this. We are actually seeking our, our kingdom and interests. We're actually living last week's message and trying to serve two masters and storing up treasures on earth. We have divided allegiances to God, which means, which means God is second place in our life. And when God is second place in our life, that instantly means worry has access. Fear has access to you and you will begin to worry. We will begin to worry. I had to come to terms to this when I moved back from New Jersey. So when I came back from New Jersey, I came back from a pretty just awful, broken relationship. And I came back, <clears throat> excuse me, with everything I owned in my car. I went there with more than I owned in my car. I went there with, with like a U-Haul truck, let's say. And then I was able to amass more things as I lived in New Jersey and create a nice little little kingdom for myself, so to speak, which I was doing. I was planning a church, you know, like, and God provided for me. But I had more things. And then I went through this awful situation, and I wound up coming back here with everything I owned in my car other than my bicycle, which was strapped to the trunk. And I had to move in with my grandfather because I needed a place to live. And I lived in the basement and in, the, in my bedroom. And um, I soon had, you know, had to go find a new job and all that stuff. And But soon my grandpa's health started to, de- to decline, and I had to begin taking really taking care of, of the kingdom that God had given him, of his property, of his house, and all these different things. And I, I was like, oh, this is oh man, I don't, I want my own stuff again. Like I want my own place. I don't want to go through this, this caregiving season. And then it only continued. My grandpa's health started to go down and my mom got cancer and then we're caregiving for her. And it's just like, oh gosh, thank God, what are you, what's going on? And it's, there's worry and there's struggle and all these different things. And, and I had to come to terms with the fact that that I was wanting my own kingdom more than I was wanting God's kingdom. Like, God led me into that season for a reason. There was things I needed to learn and go through and experience so that I could help, so that way I could help other people. And I was fighting against it and struggling and struggling, until finally I came to the point and was like, your will. I'm going to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness and trust you. But we all have to come to that place Where are we seeking the kingdom of God, or are we seeking our kingdom and building our kingdoms? We get this idea that God is very focused on actually seeking to build our kingdoms on this earth. And the truth is, he is not. Yeah, but Andy, what about what God says, how if I delight myself in the Lord, he'll give me the desires of my heart? Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, you're right. What, what about that? Well, let me ask, are you delighting yourself in Him? Because someone who delights themselves in the Lord isn't worried about their desires being met. Because in delighting themselves in the Lord, they dwell in His love and gain the confidence and contentment that God is good and is who He says He is and will bring to pass the desires of their heart in His perfect timing. <clears throat> when our focus is not on His kingdom, it is on our kingdom, on our desires, living life how we think it should go, expecting God to do what we want. Then when God doesn't come through in some way, we think he, in the way we think he should, we get afraid and we get angry and we worry and we run. And we've lost focus of who God is and why we even exist. And what God is doing in this earth. And what he has in store for us. We are called to abandon this world. Right, Janet? Janet? We are called to abandon this world in our personal kingdom-building endeavors. Jesus says, Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to to, to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. What is Jesus saying? Take up your cross? The cross is what? A torture tool that he is going to die on for our sakes? He's calling us to lay down our lives. For the sake of others. Matthew 10, 37 through 39. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. That is what God has called us to on this earth. This whole current world is all temporary. Pastor Jason talked about this last week. It's all going to burn up. When you die, you can take nothing with you. What about my 401k? Listen, have a 401k. It's good. It's good to prepare. Be like the ant. Proverbs talks about that. But if we live our lives to just get to a place of retirement and we to amass things so we can live comfortably... That is not what God has called us to. When he called us to take up his, our cross, to follow him, he's calling us to a life of laying down our lives for him, of living a life of generosity with our hands open and giving and loving people. <clears throat> the world is all going to burn up. And until we understand that God's kingdom is our kingdom and that when we build God's kingdom, we are actually building our kingdom— we will live in this world with fear, worry, and terror. When you are building the kingdom of God, you are building your kingdom. You are building God's kingdom. You're building your kingdom. Listen to what God says, tells us in Scripture about the things to come. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 10. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Okay. Matthew 29, I'm sorry, Matthew 19, 27 through 29. Then Peter answered and said to him, See, we have left all and followed you. Therefore, what shall we have? So Jesus answered them, Assuredly, I say to you, that in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Okay, that was for them. And everyone, that's for us, who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. Revelation 2, 25-29. But hold fast to what you have till I come. And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give the power over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron and they shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessel vessels as I also have received from my father and I will give him the morning star he who has an ear let him hear what the spirit says to the churches and then in chapter 3 verse 21 through 22 to him who overcomes I will grant to grant to sit with me on my throne as I have also overcome and sat down with my father on his throne he who has an ear let him hear so what is Jesus saying he's saying I have a kingdom, and you're all supposed to be a part of it, ruling it with him. Listen, he said, sit on his throne. Like, not on the Father's throne. Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father. But he said, I'm going to have you sit on my throne. The kingdom to come, when Jesus comes back here and he sets up his kingdom, listen, that's, that's no joke. We're, I look forward to that living in our new bodies, never fearing or worrying ever again, living without suffering and pain. Like, that's what God has for us, and we get caught up living on this earth, building our kingdoms. But God says, no, don't do that. Set your eyes on my kingdom, because my kingdom is your kingdom. He has many wonderful things for us. Sid, could you come back up? Is this all kind of making sense? We need to seek first the kingdom. So how do we seek first the kingdom? Well, it really starts with the relationship with Jesus. So if you're here and you do not know Jesus, the way you seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness is by coming into a relationship with God. The Bible says that when we believe him, it's counted as righteousness. So when we believe that that there is a God that created all things and he is good and that he created us for himself. And When we understand that we all have sinned, man has sinned against God and disobeyed him and separated ourselves from him. And the consequence of that sin was death. But God in his great mercy sent Jesus to die for our sins so that way we could be restored to a relationship with God. And when we come to him, we submit and we say, God, I'm a sinner. I have messed up in this life. I have... purposefully done wicked things in my life and i need your forgiveness come and save me he promises to come in and make you righteous that is the first step to seeking the kingdom of god and his righteousness coming to an understanding that you and i need jesus the next the next thing what how do you how do you do it how do you seek the kingdom of god first Well, for those of us who are followers of Jesus, it's a lot of different things. Repentance. Repenting of our sins. Repenting for worrying. Okay? Repentance. That means changing our mind of the things that we have done wrong and choosing to follow Jesus in his righteous ways. It looks like surrender and consecration to God's will for us every day. Getting, getting before him more and more and more, down on our knees, laying prostrate on the floor, crying out to God, God, have mercy on me. I surrender my life to you. Consecrate. I consecrate my life to you. I dedicate it to you. I will do anything you want me to do. I will talk to my coworker. I will forgive this person that has sinned against me. I will love my wife better. I will take care of my kids better. I will give. I will... Serve. I will volunteer. I will do anything that you ask me to do. I'll go to another nation as a missionary. I'll go to change my major, whatever. If God tells you to do it, it's a consecration to him where you say, "Ah, God, I will do whatever you want. I just want to build your kingdom. I want to see your name glorified. I don't want people to go to hell. I want them to be saved. And when we set our minds on this this building of God's kingdom and seeking him and just forsaking this world, In choosing him, the peace of God rests on us. And God promises that he will meet all our needs. If I was to have, let's just say, you know, Jesus is right here and I'm following him. If I'm doing what he's saying I'm supposed to do, he's going to provide everything I need. Right? He said, okay, Andrew, we're going to go over here and we're going to go, you know, minister to this guy. Or I want you to move. I want you to move to another state and help plant a church with this person. He's going to provide. If I say, okay, I'm going to do that. So he's walking this way. He says, okay, you're going to need a house so you can live right here, and I'm going to give you the money that you need with this job to be able to pay for those bills. He's going to provide everything that you need. Your heart is broken right now, and you're suffering in some way, and you're worried about something, a desire that's not being met. If you're following Jesus, he is always going to take care. He's never, he always has time to stop and to hug and to love and to care, and to bring peace. When you care about what he cares about, his blessings just flow, and he will meet those needs, even little things that you might desire. I was in New Jersey. I might have told this story. I was like, God, I want. I was, I was serving. I was just all in with with playing this church, and I was like, God, I just want to go to a hockey game because I live right in New Jersey. Sure enough, two weeks later, this guy from my church, he's like, I have two tickets to a hockey game. Do you want to go? I was like, Yeah. He's like, you can have both of them because I can't go. You can take a friend. I said, Awesome. Thank you. He's like, I think it comes with free parking. I said, Oh, that's great. Okay. So then I get the ticket and I get there. I didn't look into the ticket, you know, I just was like, I, I knew where the free parking was, so I went and got the free parking. I walk in and I'm like, where am I supposed to go? And the usher takes me to where I'm supposed to be. And he takes me to this giant room filled with like all the food, like restaurants in it, in this, with like all the food you could eat. And then he take, and he's like, and you can sit in this section. It's like a private section with perfect seats to see the whole rink. And then the game, so I had all the food you could want with perfect seats. And then the game went into overtime like double over time and they won in a shootout and I was like that's it was for something very simple well it was because I was seeking the Lord and going about his righteousness and I just prayed a simple prayer and he gave it to me but when we're doing that he he when we live that way he provides but that's a simple thing that's just a little want some of us really need some deep things right some heart healing. Seek first Jesus. Cry out to him. Do whatever it takes to get to him every single day. He will will heal your heart personally. He will bring people into your life to encourage you and strengthen you. He will do it. But when we're building, when we're saying we're following Jesus, but then we're going over here and trying to build, yeah, but I want this house and I want to do this and that and and da-da-da-da-da, If it's not in line with God, we're over here and his blessings are over here where you're supposed to be following him. But if we're over there, there's no blessings. So then what do we do? We worry. God, but I wanted this. Like this is what I had to deal with in New Jersey. I thought I'm never moving back to Erie, Pennsylvania. I'm staying in New Jersey where I'm going to go somewhere else and help another pastor do this and do that. And I was planning my next kingdom after I was done helping plant that church. And God was like, "Mm, that's actually not the way it's going to work out. And he just basically, I didn't have a choice. He like just took a shepherd's hook and was like, you're going back home, buddy. And that's what happened. And now I'm here. So the blessings of God follow us, flow upon us as we follow Jesus, I should say. We need to pray more. We need to believe that our Heavenly Father is not a liar and that he will take care of you. We need to be willing and obedient to do whatever he says. We need to ask the Father on a daily basis, what is on your heart today? What do you want me to do? And then go and do it. And let him stretch us. Listen, it's a journey. None of us is going to be perfect at this all at once. Okay? Step by step, day by day, we get into this place We are fully where we become fully surrendered to God and he perfects us. We don't have to be perfect. He's the one who perfects us. And so... We just take those steps. So this morning, I just want to challenge all of us. I know it's late, but if you are in need, actually, if we have some of our small group leaders who would be willing to come up front, um, Chet and Jane can come up front. Uh, if you need prayer, if you're dealing with, if you need to receive Jesus, if you're dealing with actual anxiety issues and disorders or things and you're just really struggling right now, the first step to seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness would be coming up and getting some prayer and just saying I need help. Jesus help me. And these people will come up and pray for you. Chet and Jane, if you could come on this side too. And then, so if you need prayer for something, I would encourage you to come on this side, okay? For those of us who maybe don't need prayer necessarily for something specific, but your heart is convicted and you say, you know what, I've been worrying too much. I need to stop worrying. Use this side to come up and just repent. Say, God, you don't even have to come up. You can stay in your seats, but if you would like to, if you're feeling, I need to take some type of step, well, then take a step and come up here and consecrate your heart to God again. Say, God, I'm gonna stop worrying. I'm gonna trust you to meet my needs. I'm gonna trust you to help me make a decision on what I'm supposed to do right now, where I'm supposed to go, what I'm supposed to focus on, I'm going to trust you to help provide a way for me to pay my bills, to, 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 meet the, to pay my debts off. Father God, I'm going to come to you. I'm going to re-consecrate my heart to you and trust you and follow you. Do that on this side, all right? So I'm going to pray, and then just, we'll just take some time here. If you don't need to come up here for anything, just take a moment and pray for the people that do, okay? So Father, I thank you so much for your faithfulness to us. Father, I thank you for your word that we do not have to worry that it is a choice and we can choose not to do it that we don't have to worry because you have our, our best interests at heart. You care about us. You know everything we're ever going to need. You care about the birds and so we don't need to worry because you care about us more. Lord, I thank you that you've made it so simple. We can live without worry. All we have to do is seek your face. All we have to do is follow you and you take care of the rest. So, Father, speak to our hearts right now. Don't let us leave the same. We put our trust in you. As a church, we consecrate ourselves as a church to you, to seek you, to go about building your kingdom in Erie County. In Jesus' name. If you need prayer, come on up if you want to repent. and dedicate your heart to the Lord. Come on up. We'll just take a few minutes and then we'll... If if you guys do need prayer, you're welcome to come up. We'll continue to play for a little bit. Um, But I want to encourage you. Trust the Lord. Seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You can live worry-free. I know because the Lord has brought me into a place of contentment that I have not experienced really ever before. He has contentment for you. 100% 100% where you can live your life and wake up joyful and with peace. He has where you can go to bed in peace where you are be able to be constantly aware of the thoughts that are coming and you take them captive and you say no I'm going to believe God. That's a lie from the enemy. I'm not going to take that offense. I'm not going to live worried. I'm not going to live in fear. That is what is available to you today. So keep diving into seeking the kingdom of God. I'll close with this. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen. All right, you guys are dismissed. Uh, Can't wait for next week. And, um, yeah, it's been wonderful. I love you guys. Uh, Real quick, for those who are attending the usher meeting today, it's going to meet over in this section in just a few minutes. So you can make your way over here. Uh, But again, if you need prayer, please do come up and get prayed for